0: Welcome to Long Story Long, the podcast where we sit down with small business owners and local creatives to share their stories. We're having honest conversations about their process, how they got their start, and anything along the way that begins with Long Story Long. I'm your host, Ashton Warner, co-founder of Ava Collective and creator of the Buffalo-based clothing line, ARW. Today, I am delighted to introduce Molly Worth. She is the creator and CEO of The Factory Buffalo, the full-service design, production, development, and small-batch cut-and-sew manufacturing space based right here in Buffalo, New York. From design consulting and fabric sourcing to tech packs and production management, The Factory Buffalo truly is your one-stop shop right here in our city. But before Molly became a staple in local manufacturing, she had her very own contemporary women's wear line, Once and for All Clothing. And we are here to talk about it all with her. So with that all being said, please welcome Molly.
1: Hi, thank Hi Molly. you so much for having me. Thank
0: you for being here. I'm so excited to speak with you because like you are someone that I've looked up to. Oh that's and so
1: thank
0: you. <laughs> we initially met at Runway Judging.
1: That's right. Yeah. yeah. your collection won that year. <gasps> yeah. It was so beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. It was so beautiful.
0: And... Even like when I saw your stuff in like Modern Nostalgia and online, I was like, wow, Molly's so cool. I want to be just like her.
1: Oh, you're so sweet.
0: I love you. I love you. I didn't want to be like, I want to be like you when we, when I grow up because we're like the same age. So I
1: think I'm probably a bit older, but thank you. That's kind too.
0: I always say like everyone is either older than me, my age or younger than me. And those are the three blobs. So you're in the blob of the same age.
1: I'll take it. I'll take it. I have a two-year-old. I feel like I've aged 10 years since I had him, so I'll take that. (laughs) Thank you. Love it.
0: Well, let's get into all about you today. Okay, And before we do that, we're going to warm up.
1: Okay, sounds good.
0: So we got the four staple questions. The fourth is the mystery, which you do not know. And it's fun. I really like your question, not to boast. Okay. But the first question is, Let's go back to kindergarten and what did you want to be
1: when you grew up? So I was thinking about this and I was really an avid reader when I was a kid. Like I was a bookworm. I was kind of quiet and I read a lot. And I don't really know. I remember thinking that I wanted to either be a doctor or a lawyer, but I don't know if that's just kind of the generic. What well, you're supposed thing to be. Yeah. But I had a lot of lawyers in my family. Mm-hmm. So I think that was part of why i thought that but love it yeah and i still like i have a lot of friends that are lawyers which i find really interesting i get along with lawyers really well (laughs) which is kind of odd like because as a creative you wouldn't think but yeah yeah i think a lawyer was probably my childhood ambition (laughs) it's good to have at least one
0: lawyer friend in your pocket Oh, yeah. And you are blessed to have many.
1: Yeah, and family members, <laughs> yeah. too.
0: Because then you can always threaten people with lawyers and just pick one. I,
1: I, don't, I try not to do that if, if possible. That would mean that things have gotten very bad. It's fair. It's fair.
0: My lawyer will be hearing about this. And really, it's just your friend that's just like, I don't believe what happened to me today.
1: Yeah. And they're like, yeah, you don't want to go there. And you're like, okay. Yeah love it last resort
0: for real so as I mentioned in your intro you are now in the fashion manufacturing space yeah and if you were not in that space what do you think that you would be doing
1: um I think if it was like an alter ego like not my personality or skill set at all I would want to be in the CIA. Whoa, whoa! <laughs> yeah, I, like I've always been super fascinated by international law and culture, and um, so I think that would be really interesting. If, but I have like no situational awareness at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> like law enforcement, it, it even said that in like my Myers Briggs personality test. I think it was like. That law enforcement or anything like that would not be the opposite. My forte, nice. I would not be good at that. So,
0: are you into all the like true crime TV shows I love. and stuff?
1: It like I like it, and then it makes me sad, and then I don't watch it for a it's while. Very depressing. Yeah, like yeah. I I get into it, and then I'm kind of like, eh, I need a break. So. Yeah, I only
0: watch surface level television and yeah. movies, so that's not the vibe. Yeah. yeah, what is surface level? What do you mean? Just like some people doing something silly and then it's all fun at the end i'm trying to think of like the best example yeah yeah currently i've been watching um well i was watching rupaul but that ended like that kind of stuff but um i forgot what network it's on but it's on hulu it's called not dead yet
1: oh okay good show yeah
0: i liked new girl new
1: girl is like a good silly sitcom
0: which is coming to hulu
1: now oh is it Yeah. yeah I'll binge watch that again. I love that show.
0: I think I binged it too much. Did you? Yeah, I got sick of it. <laughs>
1: Did you? But it's such a good show. I feel like it's always funny. Yeah. It never yeah. stops being funny. And it's
0: good for throwing it on when you're working. Yeah. Because as someone who has also watched it many times, you know what's going on. So you don't have to pay attention. Right. But it's good background noise.
1: But you can pick up on like the silly innuendos that like make you giggle in between. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like that. Love it. So...
0: Being in the fashion space, you are a part of the small business community here. And what would you say is your favorite part about the small business community here in Buffalo?
1: So over the last few years, I think I haven't been as involved in it. Like Since the pandemic, I feel like I haven't been as involved as I used to be. Um, But thinking retrospectively about my start and all of the support I had in the community from like selling in the small boutiques here and when I was doing a lot of like editorial styling and commercial work and, you know, just, um, I had such an immense support and like a playground of learning in this field and kind of, you know, a lot of us in, especially fashion in this area have had to kind of blaze our own trail and create something that didn't exist here and create a scene that like doesn't exist here. And, Mm -hmm. Um, so you really need like the support of your community to do that. And that's been really cool. Like the local publications are always super supportive and, um, yeah, I've just, I've not had many bad experiences with people in the community at all, which has been pretty great.
0: Love it. Yeah. As people in the fashion space. You definitely have to make your own path here. You do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It and it doesn't exist. Like, no. The industry doesn't exist here.
0: No. So we yeah. made it, and I yeah. feel like our little our little corner of the fashion in Buffalo is great. I love yeah. everyone that's a part of it.
1: Me too. Yeah, it's fun. It is.
0: And we're all very supportive of each other.
1: Yeah, and the way it should be. Definitely. Yeah. Are you
0: ready for your mystery question? I'm
1: so excited. <laughs> yes, the anticipation. <laughs>
0: If you could have lunch with anyone in history, who would it be,
1: and why? Lunch with anyone in history. I mean, my like brain goes automatically to like music legends. It's a good spot to be. Um. And like my first thought was Jimi Hendrix. Ooh, I don't know. That would be just fun. My first thought, <laughs> just because it would be fun. Like, it would be fun. No particular like probing questions I would ask. It just, you just know gab him. to be around someone that, yeah, creatively unique would be really cool.
0: Love so, it. Yeah, so cool. <laughs> do you feel warmed up? Yeah, I do. Okay, good. Yeah, I do. You? <laughs> I'm, it's very warm in here, and it always is. So yeah. I'm, al, I'm always warm. Yeah. <laughs> I am too. The sweater is
1: quite warm, actually. I apologize. That's <laughs> no, okay. It's good.
0: Um, I should have prefaced you to dress. I should have preferred us both to dress a little coolly because when we were kids and we went to my grandma's house, my mom would always be like, it's always hot in there. So wear your summer clothes. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah,
1: Brian's grandma's house is like that too. I'm always sweating in there. It's grandma's house. Do you think, I was going to say, do you think we're going to pass
0: a threshold that like our houses automatically become
1: (laughs) 10 degrees warmer? (laughs) You know what my theory is? It's like that they're cooking and there's so many people by the time you're grandma and you have like kids who have kids and everybody's active and... Fair. I think that's what warms it up.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I dig it. <laughs> All right. Anyways, enough about grandma's house. <laughs> I love grandma's house. <laughs> Take us to the beginning. What was your college experience like? What did you? How did you know you wanted to get in fashion, etc.
1: Okay. Well, I had kind of a long journey to fashion. It wasn't. It didn't really cross my mind. Um, it did like briefly um when I was younger and I just didn't think that I was a fashion gal like what I thought fashion girls were like I didn't think that was me so I didn't really pause too long on it when I was considering college and career um but I was always an artist and I grew up as an oil painter and um watercolors and all of that so I I started in art and then moved into business because I figured I would just do like the business side of something creative, um, for education. So I got a degree in business and, and design, graphic design. Um, and I figured that would serve me well in, in some area of arts management. And, um, I thought maybe the music industry, I dabbled in that for a little bit after college. And, um, then I thought advertising maybe, and that didn't really do it for me. And I was living in New York and I would I had a job in each one of those fields when I was living in New York. And um, then I started, like, my inspiration started coming from street style in New York. And I became really good friends with this woman who owned a vintage store in Williamsburg. Oh, it still open? Yeah. Want to shout it out? Yeah, it's Mollins. Um, cool. And uh, it's on North 6th between Driggs and Bedford and um, she's from Sweden, mm. and she it, uh, she was just, like, amazing. I would go and drink uh, kombucha, and she would teach me about, you know, the history of fashion, essentially, <laughs> through her shop, and we would talk about things. And I, uh, being a fine artist, I was, like, I was doing collage work on canvas. I was working for an, a music management company during the day, and then at night I would go home and just, like, Kind of canvas out these like ideas that I was having because I didn't know how else to express myself, and um, so I started doing that. And then um, I moved back to Buffalo, um, and I started uh, working in wardrobe styling because I had had about a year's worth of experience in the film industry before I was in New York. When I was living in Atlanta, I was working in the film industry for about a year down there. And I came back here, I started doing a lot of commercial work here and then building upon like what I was doing in New York where I started like thrifting and repurposing a lot of clothes. And I taught myself so much about design that way Mm -hmm. um, through deconstructing and reconstructing garments. Mm -hmm. Um, It's kind of a great education because you can get uh, just such like a vast array of construction knowledge from doing that you know Definitely. and the way that they, they used to construct clothes is you know interesting and different and i would you know it was very uh creative and avant-garde at the time I was building like hoop skirts and <laughs> leather dresses and you know like just finding crazy materials to work with and um you know it was really experimental stage of my development and I would I apprenticed to Taylor for a little while and I would go in and bring him my projects and he would help me kind of understand uh, what to do and and then from there I kind of reached this point where I was like okay I need my like limitations are being met here I need to learn how to pattern draft and um, so I taught myself how to do that and started going to trade shows uh to find out about sourcing fabrics and um that's when I really got into like the industry um in a different way and I was still doing a lot of commercial editorial styling and stuff on the side and um and then I launched my brand um and that was a uh, That was a crazy launch. It was like I didn't have any experience in uh, manufacturing. And I had done all of my product development work, my sourcing, my patterns, my tech packs, my CADs, um, and my first samples. And then I took them. I went to a couple of different facilities in New York. And um, I found a partner that I thought was going to be great. And I went and I did this long sales trip uh, like up and down the East coast and Midwest to all these different boutiques. I made this huge spreadsheet of um, you know uh, all of the different boutiques that would be a good fit for the brand and um, and did all my pre-sales came back and and I went to the to the manufacturer and I was like okay I have you know X amount of units for these styles and they were like Yeah, we can't take you right now. (laughs) And I was like, no. I just did this whole trip. No. No. My deliveries are in like three months. What do you mean? So I think I'm getting away from the college question here. (laughs) (laughs) I just realized... (laughs) I've gone from college to like straight into career. That's okay. You're just going down right the list
0: through it. But I guess
1: my <laughs> business degree wasn't that notable. No, it was. It was. It was very educational. It was great. But
0: so I have a degree in just fashion design, and I am honestly jealous of the people who have like business degrees, communication degrees, like social media backgrounds, because I feel like that's so helpful.
1: It is. I mean, the graphic design skills, the accounting skills. I mean, I use my accounting. My accountant told me that I was OCD this year. Like, oh, I'm like, wow. Yeah, which I took like a really big cup of For it. real. Because I love, I love bookkeeping, yeah. actually. And, um, you know, those skills are great. But I think it's like that no matter what your degree is in. I think that you're always going to have a deficit. And I think that you're always going to have to learn that from like life skills. So I had to teach myself fashion design. You have to teach yourself accounting, you know, it's like the same thing for everybody. I think, you know, no degree is going to be like everything holistic to your life experience. Unless you
0: just keep going to school and going to school and
1: getting all the the man your
0: money. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have any money to give him. (laughs) I don't want
1: to give him anymore.
0: No, that's for sure. Every year with, like taxes and stuff, I learn more and more. So, yeah. and I have a nice lady accountant because I love working with women. Yeah. So she helps me. That's great. Her name's Lori.
1: Oh, good. <laughs> Hi, Lori. <laughs> Hi, Lori. <laughs> good um, accountants are very key, is this Definitely. Semester.
0: Definitely. Yeah. Um, so, you mentioned that you were living in Atlanta briefly and then New York City. Mm-hmm. Also briefly. So what were those time periods? So you said Atlanta for a year.
1: I was in Atlanta for a year working in film. That's how I started in in like the film industry experience. I was working as a production assistant though down there. Um and that was just post college trying to figure it out. I knew somebody who knew somebody and it's all about you know. launched into it that way and and then I went to New York and I did um I did graphic design there and then worked for an arts management company there. So I was in each place for a little over a year or two in each area. So. Nice. And then came back to Buffalo. I just thought I was here for like a pit stop, actually. I didn't think I was going to stay. In Buffalo? Yeah. Are you from Buffalo? I am. Okay. I like came back. Like Got it. I felt like I was in between. You know, I was just exploring. Yeah. And uh, I didn't think I was going to stay. And then I fell in love <gasps> <Ooh. laughs> with a boy <laughs> <laughs> who's now my husband. Ooh, we love a love story. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That made me stay. He he needed to stay. So I I that's why it was like, you know, what is that? Creativity is the innovat- the mother of what is it, the necessity thing. The, sure. <laughs> I was like the mother of innovation. I don't know. I always get those things mixed up, those sayings. But I had to create something here in order to, yes. to be able to stay. And I had to stay. So, Did you like living in New York? Yes and no. I mean, it's so... Um, inspiring and but it also like attacks your senses in this way that is kind of it's a great way to put it intense for me so I I love New York and I usually go back a couple of times a year and uh, my best friend lives there and so I love going and Mm -hmm. then I love leaving
0: yeah I say like good like four days is perfect yeah and then you're ready to get out of there
1: yeah I mean I lived in Brooklyn which is like a lot easier, I think. Yeah. Um, but I would stay for weeks at a time with my friend when she was living on the Lower East Side and uh, and downtown and Upper East Side. I worked kind of all over the place, and I, it, it's a great experience to have mm-hmm. and to know the city is like a good resource, especially in our industry, because you have to go a lot. Um, yes. You know, that's where. So much of it exists and it served me well having the experience of living there. Yeah. You know, I feel the same way.
0: I lived there for two years. Oh, did you? Yeah. Where
1: were you? What part of town?
0: I lived in the Bronx. Oh, nice. And then I was working around um, like Midtown. And then I worked for a costume design shop in um, Long Island City in Queens. Okay. And they're probably not listening. But it was terrible. <laughs> I remember like someone but told maybe me. they need to know if they are listening. So. I don't know if they're still open. There I feel like know. the pandemic really hurt costume design. Because they were like um, like for like traveling theater productions. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that industry totally went kaputs yeah. in the pandemic. But um, I was there for six months and someone told me like you have to try any job for six months to like figure out if you like it or not.
1: That's good advice.
0: Yeah. And yeah. I was like count down the days
1: yeah well that sounds like a culture problem like, it was
0: bad like yeah. I would, someone another person also told me that as soon as a job makes you cry you have to leave and I cried a lot
1: oh yeah it was so no
0: fun just like everyone was so mean and it was very okay. like um like the manager like was not in the right headspace she was going through a lot of personal issues and just the workload was too much and I remember one time we did like when Anastasia was coming to Broadway, mm-hmm. um, we did the, like, the pink dress that um, the actor wore for the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Mm-hmm. And I had to rhinestone the whole thing. And I remember oh. it took me all day to do a sleeve. And then they were like, okay, so tomorrow you're going to have the whole thing done, right? Oh. And I was like... <laughs> "Oh no!" <laughs> but when I left, they were positive. They were like, it was really great to have you. If you ever need to come back, and I was like, I don't need to come back.
1: (laughs) They didn't know how horrible they were. That sounds like yeah. And you handled it well. It sounds like I am going to be honest. I don't think I did. I mean, I left according to them. It sounds like you did, which is great. (laughs) It's only what other people can see. Yes, exactly. At least for your recommendations and stuff. Yes, I
0: feel like living in New York had me like grow up very fast. Yeah, because I feel like I wasn't sheltered living here, but it's like a culture shock and. Mm -hmm. An attack to your senses is literally the perfect way to describe it. Yeah.
1: Well, there's no, like, corner that you can go to where, like, there's not noise or, like, sensory invasion of some sort. For real. Like, it's not a place where you find a lot of peace and quiet. No. I don't know. Some people do well with that, though. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Some people love it. Yeah. I think, like... I did some theater work here at Shay's and you would have a different experience with these ladies. They're great. <laughs> so I'd love if it. you're ever interested <laughs> in dabbling in the theater here, I think these, it sounds like a culture problem with that other place. Cause theater from my experience, theater people are way nicer than yeah. like a lot of the yeah. other industry. Well, I worked for a summer at Shakespeare and Delaware park. Shout uh-huh. out. And it was fabulous. Yeah, I can see that. It's a Buffalo thing, though, too, probably. Everybody here is cool.
0: Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Um, So you moved back to Buffalo from New York. Yep. And what were you
1: doing at that point once you realized, I'm going to stay? I was working in commercial work again. I picked up um, on that pretty easily because of my experience in Atlanta. And, um, and that's when I started getting into wardrobing and I had had the experience with the, with the vintage store in New York. I had spent a lot of time there. So that's when I had really started delving into, to repurposing vintage and selling that. And I would sell through shops around town. Um, her story was like the first place that was uh, was selling my stuff for me, which is great. Sue so was so sweet and so helpful. And um, and then yeah, I did that for a couple of years, did a lot of editorial work. I was working for like Buffalo magazine and Buffalo.com and the news and doing like different like editorial work. I was I was a busy bee around town, just like figuring it out and yeah. experimenting and playing and some of those shoots they were so creative and so fun and then yeah commercial work picked up Uh, I was doing film a little bit um and and then really started honing in on design um and I think I like consciously made that shift like I was very conscious of making that shift like deciding what I wanted and where I wanted to go and what I wanted my life to look like. I was out in Los Angeles for a trade show doing some sourcing um, at the LA textile show, like right when I first launched the line and um, I met with a stylist who is a friend of a friend and she had done a lot of big films and it was like a turning point. I met her for coffee and I was like super excited because I was thinking, well, maybe I'll come out here and do a film or whatever. And she She was moving to L.A. from New York, and she was like, "Um, if I could give you a piece of advice, she's like, don't go into this industry. Oh. Yeah. Oh. And I was, like, so caught off guard. Yeah. And she's like, I have never been married. I've never had kids. I'm very lonely and sad. (laughs) And and not all people have this experience in film. Like, there are a lot of, you know. But she's like... And I had heard that from other people. I knew I wanted a family and um and so I kind of like that was I felt like that was just my answer for me because I was kind of at a crossroads in between design and film. Yeah. And um I was like, okay, design. I, I felt like that was my sign mm-hmm. to focus on design. So I did. I'm a big believer in signs like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was like pretty hit you in the face. But mine was. Right. Like, were you just like, ignore it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I just didn't expect that feedback. And certainly, like, I could have, you know, just taken that as someone's life experience and still moved on and created my own life experience. And that, I'm sure, like I said, a lot of people, I'm sure, have very, like, happy, healthy lives working in film. But the hours, I knew what the hours were like and how intense that was. And now having a two-year-old and needing the flexibility that I have in this business that I that I'm running now which is still intense yeah but it's a different kind of situation right so you're more in control yeah. of your schedule yeah because i I have never
0: worked in like wardrobe styling or anything like that for film or tv but I just know it's like very long hours lots of early mornings lots of late nights and
1: yeah it's not the vibe no I mean you it you live it you eat breathe sleep The film that you're working on yeah which is like very intense and fun and when you're young it's such a fun experience to have and do and if you're like able to commit your life to that I think that's really cool so let's get into more about
0: once and for all yeah so you officially began in 2014
1: I can't exactly remember, but that sounds about right. Yeah, I, okay. think. I think I pulled that from either your website or LinkedIn. Okay. Shout out to LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot I had a LinkedIn. It's I, up to date. Is it? Yeah. Good. I log in like once every few months and like accept a bunch of invitations. And then yeah. I, I never go back. I, don't, I think I don't, mine's I don't pretty out of date. It. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a lot of solicitations on LinkedIn yeah. for like marketing and sales. Yeah. Yeah. Some
0: people use it as, like, a regular social media platform. Do they? Yeah. Huh. Weird.
1: Yeah. Not for me. No, me either. <laughs> That's cool, though. Good for them. However, you can connect. <laughs> it's nice.
0: <laughs> so you briefly mentioned that after you went through the design process and, I'm assuming, made samples, and then you went on a little coastal journey to go to boutiques yeah tell me about that because I'm very intrigued
1: yeah so I was like how am I gonna manufacture when I don't and this is a a question we get from clients all the time because now I'm on the other end of this Mm -hmm. you know helping people do what I did and um, a question we get all the time from clients when I ask them you know what they want their numbers to be is, well, how do I know what I want my numbers to be? And there's a lot of risk involved when you go into manufacturing that you're going to sit on product. And, um, you know, I would make my first samples, um, but I, I wanted to scale because um, I, you know, wanted to uh, get a bigger reach. And um, my thought process was like, well, how do I do that, uh, get a bigger reach, you know, from Buffalo? Um, so... I just started doing research and figuring out what boutiques would be a good fit for my style. And I packed up all my salesman samples in my car. And actually, I think I rented a car the first couple of trips because I didn't want to put the miles on my car (laughs) (laughs) because I clocked a lot of miles. I went, um, you know, Iowa, Kansas, uh, Columbus. I, I did like Chicago, like Midwest, mid-Atlantic, down through Pennsylvania, Ohio, Tennessee, Georgia, Florida, up the Carolinas. um, And then I did coastal trips to like uh, D.C., Baltimore, New York, uh, Philly, all of that, uh, Connecticut, Massachusetts. So I just like pounded pavement really hard and pre-sold um, my stuff to these boutiques. And then I did trade shows too. Um, but trade shows, it's really hard to like stand out. There's so many people mm-hmm. and, um, and I tried to get as much sales, as much of my sales done before the trade shows as I could. So that if I got sales at the trade shows, then it would just be like an ad- addition to right. my, to my sales for the season. um, and then, but I didn't start doing trade shows my first season. I think it was like uh, my second or third. So just pounding pavement. But I did that every season. Those sales Whoa. trips. Did you contact the boutiques ahead of time? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I made appointments, um, and then I would also um, show up if they didn't get back to me. Like I was aggressive nice. in my emailing. You have to be. You have to be, and people get inundated with so much stuff. So. Um, and I wasn't, I mean, I was aggressive in like my tactics, but I wasn't like an aggressive, like human, like showing up, like here, buy my clothes, you know, it was like, did you see my email? Well, here I am in person anyways. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I kind of did that
0: actually. Honestly, people don't answer their emails. Yeah. So you gotta be, be the email.
1: (laughs) You do. And I think people like were more willing to take a chance on me as a new brand because, uh, because of that, like dedication and. Work. I think that they knew that they could trust me. That I was going to like deliver what I said I was going to deliver when I said I was going to deliver it. Right? Because it's it's you're building like a symbiotic trust with boutiques if you're a vendor, and um, you know they want to know that like you're they're taking a a chance on you. They want to know your fits good. They want to know your quality's good. And showing up in person and having them be able to like touch your samples is like a huge thing. Um, and I was lucky enough to have some really, really great photographer friends that were helping me through this process too, and developing like nice lookbooks and line sheets and all the rest of it. But, um, there's nothing like being able to see the sample and, you know, shipping them out to like all of these boutiques was not like an option Mm because you only have a couple of each. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a lot of hard work, but it was actually a really fun way to see like all these different cities that. I mm-hmm. like traveling by myself actually. I feel yeah. like I'm more like more on high alert. Um and I always like like being a tourist wherever I go. So, yeah. I always had so much fun doing it, you know. It sounds like a dream. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah, I went to like random places along the way like Gettysburg and Ooh. you know, just like different things that you wouldn't normally um like do. I went to, you know, Bluebird Cafe and Nashville and cool. Country Music Hall of Fame. Like I would always tourist it up when yeah. I would go. So. Yeah, it's fun. Right. Yeah,
0: I'm gonna do that. You should put that
1: in my back pocket. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So I highly recommend it.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll talk after.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: with the samples at that point, were you making the samples or were the yeah. you were?
1: Yeah. Cool. I would make my first samples. Um, I was doing all of my patterns, tech packs, samples digitizing and grading of Mm -hmm. everything um so actually buff state would let me like use their digitizer david taught me and like his off hours how to how to use it and um that was kind of all out of necessity so when i was talking earlier about my uh my first manufacturer like bailing on me um You know, I was going to have them outsource my digitizing and grading. And when they bailed on me, I was like, oh, no, what do I do? And my my grandma, I had just been there, Mm -hmm. actually, in Florida with her. And I uh, I was staying at her house in Orlando using it as, like, a home base and traveling around Florida to do sales. And I was like, Grandma, my manufacturer bailed on me. What do I do? She's so, like, savvy. She's such a smart lady. She's like, just figure out a way and do it yourself. And I was like, I don't know how to do that. I was like despondent. I was like, no, what do I do? So I remembered this facility that I had like had some random conversation with when I was um, helping a friend of mine look into like having pillows sewn here. Mm -hmm. And they do like industrial sewing. And I was like, Hmm, I wonder if I could use their facility. So I, went over there, and I asked, and they're like, sure. And I was like, okay, why don't I just run my own manufacturing? I've never done this before. Yeah, yeah, like, why not? Why not? Yeah. But they had all the equipment I needed, and they had stitchers, and they said they'd hire a few more to bring in Whoa. to do my cool. first production run. Yeah. But they're like, but this isn't what we do. Like, you have to manage it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> cool. So, I did and yeah. it was crazy but I you know figured it out and they did not make a lot of money on me because it was very slow and tedious process to figure it all out but um that's when I, I I fell in love with the manufacturing process and started to learn a lot about it and that facility ended up being the facility that I launched the factory buffalo out of um and I was partnered with them for like a uh, year, two years through the pandemic, mm-hmm. we did all like the PPE there and stuff. So Excellent
0: segue. Let's get into the factory. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: So you were at the first manufacturing space for like probably like two years, between a year and two? I can't remember. Yeah, I'm bad yeah. with dates, but something like that. I mean, the pandemic really threw a wrench in that launch. So we were there for, I think it was there for like maybe a year before the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. And uh, my approach to them was that they were an industrial sewing facility. Uh, they had an in-house product that they worked on. Um, and then they would do some military and medical stuff in between. And um, I was like, uh, I had stopped doing once and for all. Um, what made you want to stop doing it? So I did it for about four years, I think it was. And um, it's kind of like... Sad. I don't want to bum us up. Honestly, th- we're having honest conversations. Okay, <laughs> get into it. Well, like, my father passed away. Oh, and I didn't. I didn't know I was gonna go it was going to go there. I, I yeah. apologize. It's okay. No, <laughs> I'm so it's sorry. okay. Thanks. It's it's okay. It was about you know. It was um. It was like a moment in time where I was like, I need a break mm-hmm. uh, for a little bit here. I just couldn't like. I was about to start a new manufacturing run, and I was like, I'll just I'll take a sabbatical. And a beat come back and figure it out because he lived in Atlanta. I had a lot to deal with um, down there. So I was back and forth a lot for like six months and uh, I came back and I had talked with my husband about, you know, different ways that I wanted to streamline once and for all and different things that I thought could be really cool to like expand upon the idea of having this small brand that like frankly wasn't making a lot of money like i was I was not losing money, but I wasn't making a lot of money mm-hmm. and um like when all was said and done, and I was like, I need to own my own manufacturing if I'm gonna really make money doing this and um and not to be all like capitalist about it <laughs> like <laughs> you know I'm getting older, it's like, yeah. yeah, I think about it right yeah. so. Um, I had talked with him about wanting to start something here and thinking that there was a market for it. And so the concept was born out of that. And then thinking that I would eventually relaunch the brand, um, which I still kind of have in my back of my head at some point, Yeah, you know, like I'd, I'd like to like have that creative energy again, but I'm, it's not certainly in the forefront of my mind right now. Um, so anyway I uh and my husband and I were talking about it and I was like now is the time if I'm gonna do it why don't I just go over and approach them and see if they'd uh be interested in like a cooperative space where I launch uh product development I own the product development side of things and then I'll run the manufacturing for them for the work I bring in mm-hmm. and uh went over there and pitched the idea and he was like, yeah, cool. And I oh. was like, okay, cool. It was great. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it was like, it was no skin off his teeth. You know, I was just bringing right. him work and, um, and, uh, it was a great launching pad for me to start the business and beta test it, figure it out, like what it needed, what was working, what wasn't. Um, so it was a really nice launch. It was a really nice relationship, uh, At the beginning, I was able to really um, figure out exactly what I needed to figure out. It gave Mm -hmm. me, like, some space to do that and started onboarding clients um, pretty quickly, like – and then more and more clients were coming in and – I was like, okay, this is working. Like, this is a need for people. And I knew that I'd had some experience with that from when I was sourcing manufacturers for myself and ran across a lot of product development needs and saw the holes and kind of how the industry was structured and uh, how much small business there is out there that mm-hmm. wants small-scale manufacturing. And then and then the pandemic hit and it was like <sighs> all PPE. All PPE. And it was, it was really intense. And, um, yeah, we, I learned a ton from doing that because we were just like, we were pumping out gowns and masks and running two shifts and all of the product development work was put on hold for clients, obviously. And, um, yeah, so we did that for a solid six months, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was it. And, um, I learned a lot about efficiencies and you know, yeah. it was a pretty crazy time. And then it was like, okay, like the, the need had passed and mm-hmm. supply chains were not normal, but like Adapting. You know, people could get what they needed at yeah. least. And, um, and we weren't as, as necessary and, uh, started getting in, back into the product development and we were getting just such a wide variety of requests from like, Uh, leather bags and uh, you know medical uh, equipment that needed different you know apparatus attached to it or um, you know and women's wear silk pajamas like it was all (laughs) over the board yeah and the facility that I was in really like it did well for PPE and it did well for industrial stuff, but it really could, it wasn't like geared towards, you know, you need like specialty machines for Mm -hmm. specific types of things. And um, so it was a good time to kind of part ways and then still feed him work like as the relevant work kind of came to him or came to us for him. And then um, I just started developing partnerships with all these different facilities across the country that had, Um, really been able to expand their operations during the pandemic, actually, and were able to invest in new equipment and workers and, um, you know, American manufacturing had really ramped up. And a lot of these small sew shops actually were starting to kind of uh, rejuvenate and small other small sew shops were popping up and uh, everyone was getting government funding, um, too. So that was helpful for equipment and stuff like that. And um so I was just able to serve a lot more people by just like outsourcing it to all these different facilities and doing all the design work and very cool yeah so then what made you want to
0: open your own like little space because did mm-hmm. you were you still working out of the first space at that
1: point or are you kind of just like you outsourcing we kind of parted ways um after the pandemic and left them for focusing on their stuff. And then I, I kind of just wanted to be able to expand my reach mm-hmm. and be able to take on a lot more stuff. And I found that, it like, I couldn't really do that there and manage their manufacturing. So right. I wanted to focus on the part of the business that, like, my intention was to create. And it was time to get back to your original thought of yeah. small
0: scale, s- small scale manufacturing
1: (laughs) yeah and mostly product development that's what we focus on now is product development and then sending out the the manufacturing to other facilities we'll take on small batch jobs like 50 100 units something like that Mm -hmm. Um, for people in-house we've got like six machines um you've been there Mm -hmm. i love it there thanks
0: it's just such a nice space
1: yeah. Thanks. It's, it's great. We've cycled through a few spaces and this is my favorite a, because it's like three blocks from my house Yeah. and B because we have these big windows. Cause it's like a shop. It's like a storefront. So, um, it's nice. It's not oftentimes in manufacturing, you're in like warehousey space and Yeah. you don't get like the natural light. So I I'm love natural of, light. Me too. Oh my gosh. Yeah.
0: So, so within this new space, talk to me more about what day-to-day looks like now.
1: Yeah. So we are usually working on, let's see, I usually have about like 10 to 12 clients in the mix at one time. And um, we do full product development for them. So I'll start with R&D. People come to us most of the time with a concept um, that hasn't been like fully flushed out. So We'll do research. We'll do market research. Um, we'll look at comparable products that exist. Um, we'll dig in, do you know, multiple design consultations, usually via Zoom, to figure out uh, what their needs are and, and really how to get there. And then do a bunch of research. We put together research documents, uh, do CAD drawings with different variations for them to choose from, present those in design boards. Um so that they can choose kind of the direction that they want their technical design to go in. Um and then I start sourcing. Usually once we have like an approval on concept, I'll source uh materials and trims and um, you know, delve into what the product like fully needs um, in that way. And then we move into technical design, pattern drafting, tech packs, um, and like first prototypes, uh, run through prototype after prototype until we get to, you know, where we need to go. Um, And then I will source a manufacturer for them that's an appropriate fit for their product that has the machine capabilities and the capacity that they need, um, depending on the scale that they're interested in. And kind of the direction that I want to go in more, um, because I think that, our clients have been really, um, in need of like these services is I want to do more, um, like manufacturing management and business, uh, consultation with them. Mm. Yeah. So I really want to delve into that because a lot of people don't have sales plans. A lot of people don't know how to cost their products. Um, and we offer those services as kind of like a one-off service, but um, right now we're just like helping people launch their actual product, not their business. Cool. So I want to get more into like helping them in on the business end of things too, cause yeah. they really need that. And I feel like, um, it's my, like duty to have those services <laughs> for them when I see that they need them so right. bad, you know, a lot of these people, a lot of people don't too. I mean, we'll work with like medical, um, Uh, or architecture firms or uh, engineering firms that, like, uh, this is, like, a side piece of what they do. They don't really need that kind of um, influence. But a lot of the entrepreneurs really need it. Yeah,
0: and especially since you're spending so much time working on their brand and, like, having those one-on-one conversations. Mm
1: -hmm. Like,
0: they, yeah, like, you know them and you want to work with them and you want to see them succeed. Yeah.
1: That's the biggest part of it is I want to see them succeed. Right. Because you're building this great product. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, You're invested. You get really invested in these people and um, just handing them off and being like, good luck. It's (laughs) kind of like... Here's your product. Yeah. And I know that's like, that's what we do. That's like our job. But it's just, um, I want to help more. So we've been thinking about different educational components of how to kind of help. And I, and I try to be super educational along the way. I give them a lot more time um, than they pay for uh, just by like conversations that I have. And I'm always trying to like interject anything I can to try to help them, which is why I think we're a great resource. Um, and, and why, you know, cause we're, our, our services are not inexpensive too. So it's, you know, I think that, that is part of the uh, value that we offer. Mm-hmm. Um, is that insight into into their development and into the industry, um, trying to give them you know warnings about what to look out for with manufacturers and how Definitely. to really prepare themselves for that endeavor because it's no joke. I mean, um, there's so much that can go wrong in manufacturing. <laughs> yeah, for so real, you have to be vigilant.
0: Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Do you still work with a lot of the domestic
1: manufacturers that you build relationships at the first space? Um, Yeah, yeah. So we mostly work with domestic manufacturers. We have one Asian partner that we work with, and then we have one Central American partner that we work with. And those are typically higher volumes. Mm -hmm. Um, But the focus is really domestic. And most of the people that come to us are looking for smaller batch manufacturing so I define that between like, I usually tell people, depending on the product, like you can get away with launching around 150 units, but I usually say plan around 300 is a good, is a good space for you to get a handle on your costing. Um, and between like 300 and like 3000 units is like a good um, domestic manufacturing bracket. And then anything more than that, you're gonna wanna go overseas. Right. Um, but not even necessarily. I mean, you can still do it here. Uh, it depends on the product. Right. Everything depends on the product. Yeah. Uh, what the what the shop can handle, how frequently you're placing your orders. Um, you know, there's so many variables to consider. Love it. Yeah. It's fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> You've built something
0: that is so vital to, like, smaller businesses who – like need that connection like you're like I don't know you take it to a manufacturer but I feel like you're like the perfect person to be like let's let's work on it let's help you
1: let's get what, get what you need yeah and it's great yeah thanks a lot of manufacturers don't want to give entrepreneurs the time of day and right. a lot of entrepreneurs don't know how to approach a manufacturer what they need to approach a manufacturer um so and and I had that experience. I was the like naive one, like you know, yeah. coming into these places like, "Hey, why you making this stress?" stress? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, "Who are you?" you know and, uh, but I, I realized what the language that they speak is and how to help empower people to communicate with them and to feel confident in going into those situations and how to ask for what they need and how to advocate for themselves during the process and um, so, and it's really exciting to, to do and to see. So, yeah, yeah, cool. It's fun. So
0: everything that you're sharing sounds fabulous, perfect, wonderful, huh. but running a business is not always easy and fabulous and wonderful.
1: That's the truth.
0: So let's talk a little bit more on the business end. What would you say your favorite parts of running your own business are and what are, your least favorite, or the hardest parts? So the favorite
1: part is the flexibility, Uh, especially having a child now. You need that. Um, Working mom life is not easy in America, (laughs) like, in general. (laughs) There's so many barriers and so many difficulties that, like, I just couldn't have anticipated until I became a mom. So it has been just a huge blessing to me to be able to kind of... uh, you know figure out what i can and can't do um at this time and in, in this business and know that like some of my goals are going to have to uh, have had to wait a couple of years while while i give my child my full attention that's really important so um so that's been a huge blessing to me um the difficulties are when you're slow uh never really knowing what's coming around the corner um, you know, difficult clients are inevitable and learning how to, um, handle that with grace is, is been a difficult thing, but like I've, I've grown a lot in that. So the difficulties are like definitely there, but you can, you can choose how you respond to them and how you like let them help you grow. Right. You know, and I think that part's like so rewarding. Um, being a business owner is just super cool. I, I feel mm-hmm. lucky to be able to do it. You never turn it off. No. So there's that. That can mm-hmm. be hard.
0: But And you never know what's too much until it's too late. <laughs>
1: That's the truth, too. <laughs> that is true. I'm sorry the phone doesn't. Oh, you're fine. Um, yeah. Yeah, learning to say no is a good skill set to have when you're an entrepreneur. For sure. Hey, yeah.
0: <laughs> Oof. Gotta say no sometimes. Yeah, I'm learning that.
1: Yeah, and it's okay. It Does not It's not mean to say no. No, you know, it's honest. Yeah, it's just like I can handle this right now, or I can't. That's right. cool. Every like choice that you make is like gotta be f- like fulfilling your end goal. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's a big part of it. If it doesn't align with your purpose and like what you have in mind for what you want out of your business, then. You know, saying those like perfectly okay if it doesn't align right. with that, you know. Would you say your
0: business where it's going, where you want it to align, is leading towards a once and for all revival anytime soon, or what's the plan with that?
1: <laughs> I mean, I would love that. I would. It's <laughs> That's just, your first baby. <laughs> it is. It is. It's so back burnered right now. I don't know. I always think about it and then I'm like and I have a lot of old work that I could like repurpose and relaunch. Um, And we designed actually this whole actually like athleisure collection too that I was thinking about relaunching, but we're offering it kind of as a white label thing right now. I've got a lot of creative ideas pumping around, but it's like right now the focus is building the factory. Mm -hmm. And I think like figuring out how to like continue to offer more services to our clients. Yeah. So I think for a while, that's going to be the focus. And then at the right time. Oh, it's all maybe. about timing. Yeah. Yeah. But it would be fun. I get so much creative fulfillment from working with the clients. Good. So, you know, we really yeah. do. And it's always different. You know? Yeah. It's always a different, not so
0: much challenge, but it's
1: not just challenge. something cool to yeah. like
0: play around with.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely.
0: Cool. Well, Molly, we are nearing the end. <laughs> and... I would like to know if you could go back in time and tell 18-year-old Molly some advice or help her out.
1: What do you think you would say? 18-year-old Molly, oh, Lord. She was out of control. 18-year-old Molly. I don't even think she'd listen to me, honestly. She She, She wouldn't listen to me. I mean, I don't know. It's like... Everything you do contributes to who you are. So I can't really like say, I, I don't know, maybe get more sleep. For real. <laughs> like, <laughs> you'll be a lot healthier and happier. Just bank up on that sleep. I think that would be my, my advice. Perfect. <laughs>
0: Love it. Well. That's where we're at because I could just keep asking you questions all day long. So, my last (laughs) question I'm so glad I had a great time with you, too. Thanks for having me. And for the people who are listening, just from Inside Baseball, I also work at local Honey Beauty Hive, and you're getting your hair done today, so we get to spend all day together. I'm so excited. (laughs) I
1: love it there. It's so great.
0: Isn't it the best? Yes. Your stylist is
1: Sarah? Yes. Shout She's out to Sarah amazing. Mars. I She's love great. her. She yeah. knows exactly what to do to make me look like. I don't try that hard because I don't try that hard. <laughs> <laughs> I see her a couple times a year and she knows exactly what to do. Yeah. Perfect.
0: She's great. She is. But your final question oh. is plug yourself. Where can people find you? Oh, How yeah. can people get in
1: contact? Great. So uh, thefactorybuffalo.com. dot com. We're also on Instagram. I'm not super active on Instagram. I really need to hire somebody to do that because um, social media is not my thing. But um, and like so much of the work we do is proprietary, so we can't share a whole heck of a lot on social media. But um, our website's super informative. Under services, you can go through and kind of get a step by step of what our phases look like and our process. Um, there's a little video that kind of talks about it. So our website's a great resource. So thefactorybuffalo.com. Fabulous. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. You're <gasps> so course. sweet. Oh
0: my God. Thank you. <laughs> and thank you for listening to another episode of Long Story Long. Goodbye.